Hello and welcome to Reincarnated as Podcasters, the show where we explore the countless and varying worlds of isekai, the anime genre. This is episode four. It's no understatement to say that isekai is an extremely prevalent genre in the anime landscape. On this show, we hope to find out why that is, and what a genre primarily concerned with other worlds has to say about this one. Today we will be discussing episode 10 to 12 of My Next Life as a Villainess, All Roots Lead to Doom, also known as Hamafura. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to your hosts for this intrepid journey. Uh, my name is Lawrence, and uh, joining me as always is Vicky. Hello. Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, no, not, not much. Just been uh, having a pretty chill week watching Arjun. Hell yeah. Uh, Dummy Human, which is pretty good. I, I think I almost finished season two of that. Uh, no word on a season three, unfortunately. Um, so it'll have to make do with this. Um, oh. What does it look like um, it, the conclusion is going to like not be satisfying? Or? Well, there's only three episodes left oh. uh, for me to watch. And there's no way they can wrap everything up or like uh, deliver on all of the in- intriguing stuff in the next three episodes. Yeah, man. I am a... Yeah, well, a lot can happen in three episodes still. Yeah, that's true. We'll have to wait and see. A lot can go down. Lots of crazy shits. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard of a little something called uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't uh, think of that. <laughs> yeah. No, like uh, anime has uh, not learned its lesson there. They should all just uh, just pull an Evangelion in the last uh, couple of episodes. <laughs> if you ask me. Mm. <laughs> Other than that, not much to report. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing all right. I mentioned already uh, my, my neck is not, not feeling uh, very <laughs> great. It's feeling a, a little bit stiff, but uh, we're, we're getting by. It's Friday tomorrow. That's uh, always, is, yeah. uh, always encouraging, always uh, good to have in the back of your mind. Um, I, 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 I watch like uh, a lot of animes at, at once, uh, so um, I, I had a week where I finished a lot of animes <laughs> at once, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's always satisfying. I just finished uh, watching uh, Mobile Fighter G Gundam, um, mm-hmm. which was uh, not so great. It was charming, but like uh, not so great. And then I finished Ghost in the Shell uh, Standalone Complex, uh, which is oh, uh, what is that? Fantastic. It's, uh, yeah, it's like um, just Ghost in the Shell. All of the, the characters you you know and love, the, the robots. Uh, the hunky robots, the robot with the titties, the guy who is uh, not a robot, but like, you know, has has a- anxiety about robot stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the robot eyes, is he there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Well, yeah is, he the, is he the hunky one? He's hunky robot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's I, I, I was just checking. <laughs> um, I felt really bad that I can't remember any of the names. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, <laughs> no. The show like three times. So well, yeah, something. no, like it's a, it's a great film, but I, I I don't think keeping those characters like alive in your m- memories is one of the show's strengths for for the film i mean for for the show the characters are fantastic for like a ghost in the shell a standalone complex they're 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 really cool and they all have like a, a lot of time to, to to breathe and develop because it's 20 23 episodes long or something oh is it yeah and uh-huh. um it follows like half of it is like a, a villain of the week sort of police procedural type thing, except the police are uh, super powered cyborgs that like uh, enforce their will regardless of uh, any kind of opposition placed before them. And they're all right. like, uh, it's it's emphasized or like it's a lot more evidence like uh, the the fascist nature of their enforcements. Um, mm. Whereas in the film, there is more like a, an, an outlet for a sort of a philosophical meandering. It's, it's, it's a good show is what I'm saying. Cool. Yeah, it sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to expend too many words on that because I what I really wanted to talk about was um, A, Wonder Egg Priority because it's uh, <laughs> uh, fantastic and I will fucking name drop it uh, wherever I go. It's uh, it's great and everyone, everyone ought to see it. I, I probably shouldn't say too much about it actually because uh, it's it's taking some some very very funny directions and like uh, the, the surprises are half the fun I think yeah so well, I, def- I definitely plan on watching it so yeah no, it's 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 really good um, <laughs> and I also uh, watched a couple of uh, films uh, just to get my uh, my my dose of of animated moms um, right <laughs> yeah, please elaborate <laughs> i don't know where this came from but i just found myself watching wolf children and makia when the promised flower blooms they're both about moms uh, mm-hmm. i did did not do this deliberately it just uh, <laughs> i just wanted to watch some films and they're both um excellent uh, Wolf Children is basically the story of a, a single mom raising mixed race children. So it like uh, extremely spoke to me. Of course, the, uh, the the mixed races in this case are human and wolf. But, right. but, <laughs> but still, I think it, um, I think it's it's hard is in the right place, and uh, the, the messages it brings across are like. Uh, are, are, are timely and resonant. And uh, Makia is uh, even more interesting in that uh, I, I feel like it really plays up the, uh, the, the tropes surrounding uh, mothers in anime, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're either dead or not there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or they are these highly elevated, like uh, self-effacing, self-sacrificing, objects that you put on a pedestal basically right mm. and um it, this film really gets into the deep challenges uh, of, of of being a mother adopting a, a child through circumstances in uh, the setting of a medieval fantasy world right. um <laughs> where mothers are at once like mythical and uh, extremely vulnerable uh, not not mothers in general just just the mothers uh, who happen to be mothers in this film. 
<laughs> and it's uh, I've written Motherhood. It's a film about loneliness and finding the courage to uh, love despite uh, one day having to face abandonment or uh, separation or loneliness again. It's a, a really great film directed by Mari Okada, who is responsible for uh, a lot of my favorite animes, including uh, Anohana and Mobile Suits, Gundam, <laughs> Iron-Blooded Orphans, <laughs> and Toradora, and uh, a, mm. a lot of other things that I can't uh, think of right now. She's a... Uh, cool. Good films. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like I went, went on a little long again, but... Fuck it, I've been I've been consuming content. Yeah. yeah, it's worth talking about. I mean, like I've consumed like a fair bit of content that's not really anime related. But any anything anything stand out for you? Anything you 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 want to share with the class? Uh, I watched the entirety of a series called The One on Netflix. the The concept is that like it's set in a kind of near future where this genetic sequencing has been discovered that can basically like matchy with the one person that you're genetically predisposed to fall in love with Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's really similar to like the concept in the amazon prime original series soulmates where they find the soul particle which also does the same thing oh and Um, and that episode from black mirror and that episode from black mirror exactly and soulmates was written by somebody who is involved with the black mirror thing but um the one is based on a book i think and in the one, it's so I think it's a really interesting idea, the idea of like the test that you can take to find your perfect match. Yeah. And all the implications that come with it. But the one kind of does this really uh, lame thing where it just makes it about this incredibly mediocre murder mystery where you basically know what happened after a few episodes, but for some reason you're supposed to still be interested in getting to the end and seeing what really happened even though you pretty much know what happened and yeah. it's, just, it's really disappointing that they decided to like do so little with it and i've just been thinking about it because yeah i don't know it was just really weird <laughs> like taking on such a cool concept and like doing something so flat yeah and i yeah that sucks i don't think mm. people know how to produce a a, a decent television program um, and these days unless unless it's from japan and animated (laughs) (laughs) so here's a really good example of why uh, we should stay away from dumb british netflix dramas (laughs) yeah we we, we don't we don't just have to talk about anime in this this segment Mm. by by the way it's just just happens to be that i watched nothing but anime (laughs) Um, yeah. Oh, I, I watched Starship Trooper um, the other day. Aha, actually. yeah. So you're uh, tweeting about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because um, Starship Trooper, uh, the book, uh, apparently mm. uh, it was a, in part an inspiration for for Gundam, and not a not a uh. huge inspiration, but like it, it had some some elements that a Gundam uh, lifted apparently. Yeah, uh, fun film though. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Yeah, I like the film. Yeah. Uh, it's been a very oh, long time since it. I've seen oh, it. I yeah, a really long yeah. time ago. I think yeah. when I was a teenager, I watched it. Yeah, it was that was a good time. I gotta say though, it would have been better if it was an anime. <laughs> like with everything. And that and that anime would be called Attack on Titan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you went there. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's like the the first twenty minutes is set in a high school, and like none of these people are high school aged. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's just normal for movies, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I suppose, like I said, I was watching the um, Vampire Diaries, um, the, the Vampire Diaries video by Jenny mm. Nicholson, uh, yeah. in, in, in which she also uh, points out the the absurdity of uh, and the, the characters who are way too old to to be uh, believable high schoolers and the series yeah. series goes on for eight years and yeah. like everyone it just gets uh yeah like ian summerholder uh who is one of the brothers in the vampire diaries mm. i i know him from lost in the brother and sister duo oh, yeah, yeah, lost, yeah. he's the brother that's right that's right but he's also he's also in the 2002 film adaptation of brace and ellis's the rules of attraction uh, oh right and <laughs> In that, he looked slightly too old to be <laughs> the character he was playing's age, aka like a college student. So I don't know. I can't remember what year she said Vampire Diary started, but I imagine yeah. he, yeah, he did. He did not look look right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, just an uh, old bod, as as opposed to an old soul. <laughs> just, just... <laughs> An old bod just implies, an old the exist- implies the existence of like a, a normal age soul, <laughs> then an old bod. I'm just, I'm just a, a regular dude. Um, you know how people are like, I I should have been born in a, a previous age. Well, I I was born in this age, and that is completely appropriate to who I am. <laughs> but, but my bod is freaking old. <laughs> My bod relates more to the bods of uh, people who are much older than me. <laughs> oh, oh, this is. What are we talking about? <laughs> no, this is this is dumb. Um, I'm just um, thirty-two and having feelings about that fucking aging corpse. I I know exactly Pre, what you mean. Pre-corpse. Yeah, I'm I'm cutting most of this, but fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. At this point, you may be wondering, uh, what was it I was listening to again uh, when I turned on this podcast? Why it is a podcast about isekais, and uh, in order to to clarify uh, just what this term uh, means and encompasses, I will read for you uh, the definition of isekai. Isekai is a genre of light novels, manga, anime, and video games that revolve around a normal human person from Earth being displaced, transported to, reborn, or otherwise trapped in a parallel universe, fantasy world, or virtual world, where they must adapt and or assimilate into this new world along with its new rules, cultures, and philosophies. Now, equipped with this knowledge, blessed with this knowing, this unbearable knowing, we asked the question, is this uh, an isekai? Or to be more specific, uh, uh, Vicky, you will be asking the question of, uh, of a particular uh, media text. Uh, what, did yes. you, what did you have in mind for us? So uh, this is an old one and a classic one in the vein of Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which we discussed in the first episode. Mm. Uh, the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy goes to... Wait, what is the place she goes to Oz? <laughs> Dorothy goes to Oz. You, the the first thing that I thought of was Ozland. <laughs> yeah, me too. 
how weird. Okay, she goes to Oz. Yeah. Dorothy goes to Oz. There she uh, meets the munchkins. She accidentally kills a witch. She makes some friends. She is like basically traveling through Oz in order to to go home. Mm. I guess it's sort of like open. Well, I don't, I'm not intimately familiar with the text. I've seen the movie a few times, obviously. Mm. But is it a dream or is it not a dream? And if it is a dream, does that have some bearing on whether or not it's an isekai? Oh, man. Yeah, that's, a, that's, an, important, that's an important distinction. That's an important question. Uh, I've probably seen the film, like, once all the way mm-hmm. through. <laughs> like seen bits and pieces on TV, so I don't even I didn't even recall that it had like it does have that fake out like it was all a dream ending, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. She wakes up and she's yeah. like, "I had a dream and you were there and you were there and like the scarecrow and the lion and shit are like yeah. the they look like the people who work on her farm. Is that right? They work on her farm. <laughs> or the... I should have done it, like a, a little bit more research on a, this. A, a farm that she also works on. I don't. I don't remember. She just lived there. Are they yeah. like friends of her aunt or something? Yeah. Uh, so is is this an isekai? Yeah. Or is it just a dream? Yeah. So that, that I think that's where the um that's that's the crux of the, uh, the 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 matter is like whether you can consider a dream world a different world. Was it even a dream in the first place? Was there like a, a sort of a, a summoning taking place when she was dreaming? At one point, did she start dreaming? And uh, when was she transported and then transported back? Uh, these are all things that are not made clear in uh, The Wizard of Oz. So uh, one point in its favor as an anime is that it has a convoluted uh, storyline uh, with uh, several loose plot threads. I, I feel, I feel uh, pretty good about saying that uh, The Wizard of Oz is an, is an anime. An isekai anime? But is it an isekai? Just off of instinct, just off of a knee-jerk impulse, I would say that it is. She is transported to another world, whether it's via dream or not, is uh, unclear. Mm, exactly. Once in this other world, she immediately victimizes a witch or something, right? And gains yeah, her she, powers. She, she murders a witch it, yeah. and, gets, and takes her shoes. Uh, tracks for RPG logic, right? You, you kill it, you get to possess its things. Gains a. Gains <laughs> she a, looted a her body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hell yeah! Gains a party of uh, of, of of misfits. Yeah, and it feels like an isekai to me. I, I think that uh, it hits all the right notes. Uh, just a, yeah. a a poorly written isekai. <laughs> and, poorly constructed yeah. in, in, con- in the confines of the genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, I'm going to say it is an isekai. Sweet. Confirmed. Wizard of Oz. Isekai confirmed. So for for this episode, I thought I'd uh, bring back an extra segment, a, a new slice of a new slice of pods, or yeah. uh, <laughs> a slice of pod that we uh, are previously familiar with, the otaku glossary, because I, I wanted to um, set some things straight, just make some things uh, right with uh, myself. <laughs> I, I, wanted, <laughs> I needed to get to the bottom of whoever. Whether the eggplants portrayed in the show uh, were dick references or not. 
Like, lay, lay it on me. <laughs> yeah. So I did a little research into uh, eggplants in Japan. Okay. Uh, so the, the first thing that I confirmed, the first thing that uh, that popped up for me is uh, uh, something that I did not know before, and that um, there is a type of eggplant that is uh, cultivated in Japan, and this was brought over a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> from China and India, where uh, an eggplant is is native, also um, I should have wrote that date down, but that, that's that's not the interesting part. I, okay. I suppose all you need to know is that eggplants in Japan are a, a thing that is that is grown and consumed and I- enjoyed by many. So from from uh, an appearance standpoint from uh, the the Japanese eggplant is uh, longer and more slender than the eggplant that we're familiar with. It's also darker than uh, the, the usual eggplants, uh, our, our preferred eggplants. Uh, uh, not that it's preferred, but like just uh, available here. Yeah, the one we get. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Longer and more slender. Uh, so, uh, so supposedly more dick-like than uh, your, your usual eggplants uh, over here mm. as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's something to keep in mind. Eggplants production in Japan has spanned more than 12 centuries, and is the third most important vegetable for culinary use in modern day. Why? Uh, yeah, that, I did not realize that oh, either. Yeah, like, what? Do you have any idea what comes before that? Like, what's the first most important vegetable? Shit. Yeah. Yeah, I should have looked into that actually. Uh, well, we'll look into it for next. Time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A new vegetable segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Lawrence coming at you from after this episode was recorded. The Statistics Bureau uh, Ministry of Internal Affairs and Communications in Japan puts the daikon radish at number one, the Japanese bunching onion at number two, and at number three, the uh, humble cabbage. It seems our source may have overstated the popularity of eggplants in Japan, uh, but we love it nonetheless. The eggplant is also a symbol of good luck in Japanese culture and is valued for its nutrient-dense skin. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Many different Japanese eggplant varieties are grown across the country and are used in popular dishes such as nasu dengaku, which is mm. a grilled eggplant in a sweet and savory yeah. miso glaze. I love that shit. It's so good. Oh, you made this before? I have made this before, yeah. Really, Hell really yeah. delicious. Hell yeah. Sounds nice as heck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other dish is nasu agebitashi, uh, which is a deep-fried eggplant in a soy sauce broth. That sounds very good too. That's a that's a little uh, snippet that I got from a website called SpecialtyProduce.com, which <laughs> which is a vegetable wholesaler in California. So okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, so take from that which you will. Thank you, SpecialtyProduce.com. <laughs> Eggplants in Japan, uh, a long and storied history, consumed by many, enjoyed by many, uh, deep fried by some, and uh, dipped in a soy sauce broth that sounds delicious. Um, Mm -hmm. The eggplant is also featured in the traditional cultural belief of Hatsuyume. Uh. 
Yeah, this is the first dream of the new year. So uh, according to this uh, this cultural belief, the, the first dream that you have after New Year's Eve is an important dream for predicting your uh, fortunes to come. It is considered to be particularly good luck to dream of Mount Fuji, a hawk, and an eggplant. I see. <laughs> Got this bit from uh, Wikipedia where not very clear in explaining whether um, having the dream of them all free at the same time is what is super lucky or uh-huh. whether you can dream of them separately and still get luck- lucky. What are the odds of dreaming about all three at the same time? Yeah, that seems pretty, pretty wild, right? How would the eggplant come into a dream? Like, I can see like a hawk circle in mount fuji maybe but what's the eggplant coming to that (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah someone someone came up um actually i i know who who came up with this at the end of this wikipedia paragraph (laughs) (laughs) Um, this belief has been in place since the early edo period but there are various theories regarding the origin as to why this particular combination was considered to be auspicious one theory suggests that this combination is lucky because mount fuji is japanese highest mountain and the hawk is a clever and strong bird and the word for eggplants nasu or nasubi suggests achieving something great nasu okay yeah so it's it's a pun <laughs> basically see, yeah. uh, the, the japanese love their puns mm. uh, <laughs> uh, another theory suggests that this combination arose because mount fuji falconry and early eggplants were favorites of the shogun tokugawa iyasu Okay, I can believe uh, that. <laughs> yeah, so a, a, a rich and privileged uh, noble um, made a, a particular declaration uh, favoring favoring eggplants, falconry, and Mount Fuji. And um, from then onwards, it was considered to be extremely good luck if you have a dream about all three on the first day of the new year. Um, it's 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 pretty wild as far as uh, uh, cultural beliefs go but uh, uh, the same could be said for uh, many of our own uh, uh, beliefs uh, here in this this yeah bloody <laughs> island <laughs> yeah. yeah totally and I, I can relate I suppose uh, eggplants are great and mm. having a dream about eggplants would be awesome because you know if you're dreaming (laughs) they're they're delicious and if you're dreaming about eggplants you're not dreaming about something awful so (laughs) that's that's pretty good all right so uh, moving on to uh more dick related uh research this was uh, a This is really exciting for my Google history. <laughs> um, so I, I was unable to find evidence of the eggplant emoji having the same connotations uh, that they have uh, in, in the West, um, in Japan. I'll, I'll be real. I did some cursory Googling, but it was it was furrow cursory. I know how to Google so <laughs> I, I feel pretty confident that yeah. uh, the eggplant emoji does not have the same kind of, uh, or d- doesn't even find the same uh, amount of use in texting in, in Japan, where the emoji has uh, 
pretty much been supplanted by uh, stickers in line. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, yeah people cool. love them, line stickers. I did recall that a cartoon eggplant was used to censor the penis of uh, Tomoaki Hamatsu, a.k.a. Nasubi, during the airing of Susunu Denpa Shonen. A.K.A. Nasubi, as in that's a character's other name. Yeah, yeah. That's a... Ah, so like, Eggplant is their name. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I must have mentioned the show to you before. Um, this is the show where um, this aired in the 90s or something where they uh, locked a uh, unfortunate uh, comedian in a completely bare room, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> strip him to yeah. st- strip him entirely and uh, force him to basically um, collect um, prizes from um, write-in competitions in magazines. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so for a long time, he is um, standing uh, completely naked in front of the camera, and they use a um, eggplant uh, to cover up his junk. The reason for this is because of his, his, his nickname, Nasubi, uh, that he gained because the producers of the show thought that his face looked very much like that of an eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what they said. Okay. <laughs> his wow. face... His face looks like an eggplant's face. That is that is basically what I said in that yeah. sentence. That's yeah. <laughs> I chose to read it that way. Yeah. His, his face was egg, egg, eggplant-shaped, is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Uh, eggplant covering is junk, but the eggplant is there because his head looks like an eggplant. Uh, right. is, is, is what they're saying. Well, like, uh, you know, uh, take that as you will. There are other vegetables that are more commonly used as euphemisms for penis. Came up for me was uh, dancon. Dancon is a portmanteau of daikon and danse, which is, you know, daikon, the reddish, and danse as uh, a man. And burdock root, which is used in a really rude saying. Yeah, I'm not going to repeat the saying. Cause okay. it's, uh, <laughs> But you you can look that up, I suppose. Furthermore, I found an essay on uh, erotic writing sister sites to Shosetsuka Ninaro, which which was awesome. I mean, uh, when I think about it, it should be obvious to me that there is an erotic writing sister site to uh, this website to collect fan fiction about fan fiction in the first place. There, uh, I I found uh, this just essay on how to write erotic fiction, and it was just full of uh, euphemisms for for, um, sex stuff and body parts, and it was awesome <laughs> it's a a great read it's a shame i had to run it through the google translate but um mm-hmm. you know one day god willing when i reach a level of fluency um this will be the only site i ever read <laughs> <laughs> why else are we learning japanese <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah um Lots of lots of awesome descriptive words for uh, the penis in Japanese, but eggplant does not come up once. Okay, I guess we we were speculating last week in the sleepover episode. Yeah. About the numerous references to eggplants being dick jokes, but yeah, perhaps they're not. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
So uh, what I concluded in the end, or like uh, the, the conclusion I had to be satisfied with, was that the um, numerous references to eggplants throughout the show are uh, probably not dick jokes or would not be read widely as dick jokes uh, by the audience that the show is intended for. Mm. But, you know, uh, that doesn't diminish the fact that uh, we're talking about a long, slender, uh, dick-like vegetable. Doesn't diminish the fact that the the eggplant um, has the kind of connotation that it has in, in the West, at least. And there had to be people that are aware of that yeah. uh, on, on the production staff. And basically anything anything that uh, even vaguely uh, resembles a, a penis in size or shape can be a euphemism for for a penis so there is undoubtedly like um, a couple of staffers that are uh, giggling at the numerous um, uh, eggplant references in the show but like um, ultimately probably not the intended reading mm. not the but- intended reading but probably they knew yeah, some of, the, some of the people making it probably knew. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. the that's the conclusion that, that that I came to in the end. But then again, there is a scene in the episodes we are going to be discussing that's uh, that puts that all in a different light again. So, is there? Uh, yeah, there's a, a very brief one. I don't remember. I'm looking forward to discussing it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's uh, oh, yeah. leap into the the episode summaries. Let's go. Episode 10 is called The Moment of My Doom Arrived, dot, 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 part one. We join Katarina, almost exactly where we left off in the last episode, being accused of bullying by some salty extras. Fortunately, Katarina is sharp enough to realize they basically have nothing on her as she has been a perfect, dense little angel all this time. It turns out that the extras have a phone book-sized stack of supposed eyewitness reports of Katarina's misdeeds. Mm. There is a commotion among the student body. Yeah, everyone looks really shocked and like dismayed at this revelation. Uh, yeah, well, they ought to be because none of it is true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird. They're like they've got the receipts. Uh, they've got a stack of documents. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess we assume that they are eyewitness reports. I, I don't know what else they could be. I, yeah, I, I think they mentioned that they're, that there are uh, like eyewitness reports as well. Uh, okay. uh, like uh, at, at this point, we have uh, we've, uh, seen all of the episodes, of course. But when I mm. when I first turned this on, I was like, this has got to be the dumbest plot. Yeah. yeah, this felt really <laughs> stupid to me. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yes, we will. Just then, the Friends gang enter on this scene and are handed the falsified reports for them to read. Maria and the rest, of course, immediately call bullshit. They also point out how this is the worst, most ill-devised plan ever, considering that the ones Maria was only ever bullied by were the accusatory extras in question. Yeah, like, they even say, so, Maria... What have you to say on the matter? It's like, you've been making this girl's life hell for like the entire school year and you expect her to back you up for some reason by like accusing her friend of bullying her? Did they think she was going to go along with it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, no thought uh, put put into this plan. I, I mean, uh, we find out later why they're compelled to like mm, uh, yeah. pull this pull this ridiculous stunt. But just as a as a framing device, it's, it's, it's it sort of reads oddly. It's just like, oh, so these extras have suddenly gotten extremely dumb. What just happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the whole thing was just yeah so poorly planned <laughs> and so poorly thought through it was very mystifying yeah just from from a, a writing perspective and, and just from the perspective of uh, these these characters and their their, their motivations it was uh, a, a bit silly when i when i first watched the scene i i started like immediately making these 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 wild conjectures like uh this is uh, this is a video game world, and the video game is not progressing in the way that the video game should. So it's sort of mm. like uh, self-correcting. The, the the code is like self-correcting yeah. and like uh, making these uh, bizarre bugs and uh, choices that are uh, set to make Katarina follow the intended mm. path. I, uh, I had a similar thought a few times yeah. over the course of the final three episodes, actually. Sadly, that's not what happens. No. Um, <laughs> If I was doing the writing for this show, and that's probably what I would have done, but we, we get we get a different outcome entirely. <laughs> we'll yeah, put a we'll sure put a do. pin in that. <laughs> they also feel the need to point out that Katarina is too dumb to pull off any of these elaborate feats of harassment. This seems unnecessary to me. I mean, y'all have been glued to her ass from day one. Shouldn't that be plenty of evidence? Yeah, this is like a really harsh moment. Like yeah. it, just, it goes from character to character in her harem, and each one of them says, "Yeah, Katarina's too dumb. Yeah, she's just a she's an idiot. She can't po- she couldn't possibly have done this because her brain is too small." <laughs> Yeah, every Alan, single one of them. Yeah, Alan especially is like extra yeah, harsh. He's like, he calls her an idiot. <laughs> yeah. no, sorry, Katarina is a dumb piece of shit. She would never. Do that. <laughs> yeah, that was harsh. And she's like, I think they're trying to do something nice, but they're kind of. I feel kind of insulted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's this, this whole Katarina being dumb thing and like uh, and a Bacarina nickname doesn't <laughs> doesn't entirely scan with me because she's clearly a very emotionally intelligent individual. Uh, yeah. She's also a little bit goofy, but um, she's devised exit strategy in case of like her own death. That that t- takes a fair amount of insight into things into the the way yeah. of the world like she's maybe she's not good at school or whatever but that doesn't mean she's dumb yeah uh, like, y'all are y'all are too mean to, to care yeah they're so elitist <laughs> i guess that's what comes with being rich and magical <laughs> <laughs> magically delightful mm-hmm. love love my friends love my magical <laughs> npc friends <laughs> Who think I'm an idiot. The accusers run off, leaving a trail of black smoke behind them that only Maria can see. Yeah, the same kind of black smoke we saw in the cave. Yep. In was it episode seven? Yes. Yes. Yeah, episode seven. The same episode kind of smoke. Episode seven, the shit dungeon. Yeah, the shit dungeon. <laughs> the dungeon with of... this with the stone with magical properties or whatever they kept yeah. calling it. Yeah. <laughs> The stone that's imbued with magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same black smoke. Same, mm. same smoke monster. 
all this kangaroo court business has made Katerina hungry. Mm-hmm. The gang adjourned to lunch. They all seem perturbed by this odd turn of events, except Katerina, who is basking in the glow of victory over the doom flags. And there's this moment when they're sitting around the table eating when Keith is like, I knew those girls didn't like my sister, but I never expected them to do something mean. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. <laughs> They're horrible. They've done nothing but be horrible to, like, everyone. Keith only expects them to be mean to Maria, not to her um, her well-bred, cream-of-the-crop, uh, high-born sister. Yeah. That's the, uh, the quiet part that he's not saying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> On her way back to dorms, Maria spots the same black cloud she saw earlier hovering around the courtyard. She excuses herself from the party to investigate. And that was the last time we saw Maria. A voiceover from future, future Katarina tells us. Yeah, and this is really misleading because, <laughs> yeah. spoiler alert, it's not the last time we saw Maria. <laughs> see her again very soon <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 well i i mean I, I i took a bit of liberty with what she actually says yeah i think she, she pretty much says that though yeah it's like the, the tone and delivery is like uh maria was gone forever she's but... gone for like two days <laughs> yeah. you mentioned earlier how like you had a thought about like the game correcting itself mm. i had a similar thought here where i, I thought oh hey uh maria's purpose in being here was to like date NPCs but she's not able to do that because all the NPCs are in love with Katarina so now she's just deloading from the game <laughs> she's like bugging out of the game <laughs> she's like well there's no ain't no dick here so uh, I'm off although there is a dick here it's serious dick and at this point I actually wrote down maybe maybe it's dick's doing <laughs> Uh, the, the only only dick left in town. <laughs> yeah, the only dick left. Yeah. Only dick left in the game. <laughs> oh man, our our Hamafora ending. Um, would it would it would it be better than this actual ending? I don't know. It's, it's, I think it would. Not I mean, that I had anything against this ending. I it yeah, was fine, it's, there, uh, there's some good things about it too. Mm. But I would have I would have liked to crack at it. Yeah, <laughs> fan fiction time. <laughs> yeah, Shosetsuka in a row, make way. We cut to two days later. Maria is still not turned up, and Katerina is worried sick. That two-faced snake-ass serious deke shows up with a cup of tea. <laughs> he sure does. Katerina gathers her resolve and vows to find Maria. She, of course, enlists the gang who search high and low in a montage. <laughs> Here's a little montage of them like looking inside cupboards and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is she in this spooky broom closet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With cobwebs? Yeah. Maria. They're not looking hard enough. Like, I don't get why none of them go and ask her mom. You don't see them doing that. Like, uh, she just went home. Yeah, yeah, good point. Whatever. Uh, fucking serious deke here, just uh, just being 
totally chill and not letting anything on. Just to... Yeah, he shows no emotion in his face except for like his calm little smile. Yeah, this pissed me off on a second viewing. Spoiler alert, he is behind all of this shit. Um... Yeah, which we called. <laughs> I even I called it in the first episode that he was in. I was like, this guy's bad news. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I, well, I, I wouldn't say that I called it. It was just a feeling I had, like, like mm. based on absolutely nothing, but like, uh, also a very satisfying feeling. So. Yeah, for sure. Fucking uh, creep, creep detector is uh, still still tuned. It's you, powerful. <laughs> you, even if only for uh, for anime characters, but mm-hmm. anime creeps. The next evening, Katarina is worriedly staring out a window when Jordo pays an unexpected visit. Maria has still not been found, but Jordo has some clues about the circumstances of her disappearance. It seems the accusatory extras from earlier don't remember their terrible plan at all. Jordo believes they may have been affected by dark magic. Oh, yeah. A type of secret art that amplifies hatred and envy, manipulating those affected to commit deeds both evil and extremely dumb. Whoever is wielding this magic is most likely after Katarina and might even be behind Maria's disappearance. For the only thing... That can detect and combat dark magic is light magic. Yeah, so a few things here. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing Jordo says to Katarina is this dark magic uh, wouldn't be something uh, that would work on you because you don't feel... It, 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 wait, he says it, it amplifies hatred and envy. And he said, well, you don't feel those things, so it wouldn't work on you. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> But he also says that only a few people in the world know about dark magic. I find that really hard to believe. He knows about it. He's now told Katarina about it. And I can think of at least five or six other characters that we meet that know about it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the word's out. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, probably. Like, uh, trying, trying to, probably trying to suppress it at school. But like, uh... Yeah. But Jordo, we don't want people to do it. Yeah, but Jordo is the the prince of stuff. And, mm, that's true. Uh, yeah, he's some kind of prince, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah he's, uh, he, he seems to be a big deal. This scene was really weird for me because Jordo was actually being kind of chill in this scene. Like, uh, I didn't find him creepy in this scene. I felt like he was doing a good job of sleuthing and trying to figure out what's going yeah. on. And he was conveying the information to her in a, in a non-patronizing, uh, very normal way. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. unusual for his character. Yeah, well, Jordo has a, a bit of a, a bit of a turn in, in these couple of episodes. I, I mm. think uh, yeah. the, whoever was busy writing the early eps kind of uh, uh, forgot who, who Jordo was by, uh, by later in this series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because the same information could have been conveyed by uh, Sophia, who reads a bunch of books, mm-hmm. uh, or Nickel, who uh, is uh, in constant proximity to uh, Sirius Deke and uh, may have su- suspected some dark magic dealings or whatever. Yeah, why didn't Jordo suspect? Uh, sorry, why didn't Nickel suspect anything? Because he he's the real dense motherfucker. He's the real <laughs> Bacarina Baca Nickel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could it could have been any of these characters. Instead, they they chose Jordo, who is uh, now 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 a nice guy all of a sudden. But mm. whatever, I guess. 
for the only thing that can detect and combat dark magic is light magic. What's more, Jordo reveals that the only way that one can acquire dark magic is through a ritual of human sacrifice. Yeah. So yeah. whoever's doing this has killed someone, yeah. is yeah. what we're led to believe. And he, he, Jordo also says something to her like, this is this is when I, I actually found myself quite liking him here. It's like, you know, you just, just have to be really careful and try not to, like, if that, you're clearly their target, so try not to go anywhere alone. Try and, like, always have someone with you. He just says nice advice about protecting yourself. Yeah, because normally he would be the stalker creep who exactly, would be yeah. preying on these situations. <laughs> yeah. It makes you feel like he's genuinely concerned about her. Is the vibe you get from him? Absolutely. That that is the that is the, the, the sense I got as well. And then that's uh, that's the character that they they wanted to portray in this moment. Definitely. Mm. That night, Katarina has an awful nightmare in which she finds all her friends dead. She blames herself for this outcome, having avoided her own doom flag. She wakes up in tears and reaches for her diary, anxiously peering over the notes she has written down about various game outcomes. Yeah, she's like, maybe it would be better for me to just meet my doom alone rather than everyone die. Mm, mm. So I guess she cares about the NPCs now. She seems to care a lot, in fact. Like, uh, this anxiety dream is kind of kind of really scary. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. when she wakes up, um, she's sort of, like, uh, pouring over her notes in her, in, in her little diary, conveying this sort of uh, sense of uh, relatable powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's sort of uh, waking up from a, a nightmare in which you're made aware of your own mortality suddenly and then shocked into wakefulness and all of a sudden you're like uh yeah i i related i related yeah 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 i know what you mean the next day at school katarina is too tired to even stand upright so her friends take her to the nurse's office where she catches up on some much needed sleep she leaves the nurse's office after having rested up and walks past the courtyard where maria and katarina officially became besties this moment had me screaming because while she's like when she leaves the nurse's office she's thinking to herself Jordo said I shouldn't go anywhere alone but my next class is only like a really short walk from here so I should be totally fine and then she sees a bench and I'm like oh god she's gonna sit on it isn't she <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, in my notes I just wrote Katarina stop <laughs> Despite being a, a, a goofy harem comedy uh, about being reincarnated as a villainess and having a bunch of goofballs fall in love with you, there there are some really pointed moments uh, throughout. Sure, we talked yeah. about it before, but like, uh, yeah, it's um, it's not something that the show uh, shies away from, but rather sort of uh, seeks to develop in its own uh, goofball harem comedy way <laughs> i guess which is yeah. like which is uh impressive in a in, in a way you know she decides to have a sit on the bench and worry some more when she's interrupted by serious deke yep he offers to walk her back to class fucking creep yeah <sighs> yeah this like it's becoming obvious at this point at that moment, while looking into Sirius's lifeless gray eyes, Katarina recalls another memory from her past life. Achan is dropping some spoilers about a hidden conquerable character. 
a dangerous dark magic user. Failure in this route leads to the death of the protagonist and all her friends. This hidden character has red hair and gray eyes, much like our terrible boy, Sirius Deke. Yeah, it's definitely this fucking Sirius Deke. You know, I, while Katarina was thinking of like, she was like recalling this memory of her past life in Achan, and she was thinking lots of stuff. She basically has an inner monologue, and this whole time she's just staring at Sirius, and he's staring back at her with his <laughs> dead eyes. Yeah. I was just wondering how long this is going on for IRL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a, one of those one of those moments uh, that can that can last an eternity, where a, mm. a person that you uh, thought you trusted turns out to not have your best interests at heart, and are yep. in fact uh, suddenly very dangerous. That's uh, as a a way of uh, slowing down time in, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. I actually had another thought here, which I don't think we've ever talked about before. If Achan is Sophia now, yeah, does that mean Achan died? Oh man, yeah, <laughs> and was reincarnated. That is that is a great question. I choose to believe yes. The episodes that we watch offer no clarity on that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At at this moment in time, I'm choosing to believe that Achan probably died as as well, uh, which is which is tragic to consider. But uh, it would also be cool if she like um, found some some magical portal to get into. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I much I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> It would be also it would also be cool if like uh, this is uh, some sort of coma dream for her, for Katarina or something. Uh, mm, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of possibilities that can be explored. Uh, none of which that the show actually uh, explores. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're they're squeezing a second series out of this, so I guess yeah. uh, we're gonna leave that as a mystery for now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you use dark magic? Katarina blurts out. Serious. Being the snake he is, feigns ignorance for like a second before going full psycho in cell mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just uh, he changes, doesn't he? Oh, I, I guess for those of us who knew what a creepy was all along, he doesn't really change. He just uh, yeah. takes his true form. But just like completely needlessly for like a second, he's like, dark magic? Whatever do you mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then a just, liar. Yeah, just just for the for the pure pleasure of lying to Katarina. Because like <laughs> a, just a, a single beat and then all of a sudden he like goes into full incel rage. He, mm-hmm. <laughs> he admits to having abducted Maria in the creepiest way imaginable, <laughs> then rages at her for being a hypocrite that only likes bad boys <laughs> yeah what the hell i guess i wasn't really sure if like he hates her because of that i guess that's a, a little bit of my own flourish he says he says something like uh uh you're a hypocrite uh like uh something something fixing troubled yeah youths or whatever yeah he, <laughs> like he like says something about how um you can't save me like you did the them the yes. others Yes, yeah. yes, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't hit like uh, all of the usual beats, but it has incel energy. It uh, does. Definitely. Also, when um, Sirius like abducts Maria, uh, so fucking, so fucked up. Like, um, Maria confronts uh, Sirius. He's got like a, a, a huge cloud of like black smoke hovering mm. behind him. And he's like, oh, you've discovered my secret. And guess I'm going to have to uh, take care of you now. Uh, attempts to use his black magic, which is repelled by Maria's uh, light magic. And mm-hmm. uh, seeing this happen, he's like, oh, shit. Reaches for a bottle of like fucking chloroform, GHB, yeah. whatever. And like fucking knocks her unconscious. What the fuck are you doing walking around with a bottle of chloroform, you yeah, piece of exactly. shit? I thought the same thing. He just, he like grabs her and manhandles her, almost gets her in a headlock and then makes her smell it. That was like something he was expecting to have to do at some point to someone, which is why he carries it around with him. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's... Creepy little, little fuck. It's it's gross it is sus it is it is wrong on many levels fucking i do not like serious um no. <laughs> even even the the twist and like he, hero turn did not convince me of a no serious. me either uh and he's nowhere near as cute as the rest of the cast uh, no. <laughs> no fuck serious all my homies hate yeah. serious uh, sucks. <laughs> cancel serious <laughs> cancel serious 2021 <laughs> Despite all this, sweet, pure Katarina feels a deep sympathy for the hurt and angry Sirius. She reaches out to touch his face. Fervor enraged by this, Sirius uses his dark magic to fervor envelop Katarina, putting her in a magical sleep. Tears fall from his eyes as the credits roll. Yup. Puts her to sleep. He says, sleep for the rest of your life or something like that. Mm, mm. You're basically putting her in a coma. Yeah, I had some, I had some feelings about this that like extend into uh, the, the next couple of episodes as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll just touch on it briefly. But kind of role that Katarina is fulfilling here is like good and admirable and like uh, great qualities for a an anime heroine, like uh, showing this uh, compassion, this uh, bottomless sympathy for. Um, a monstrous uh, little boy creep um <laughs> but is this is this really the, the kind of character we need today um mm. i that is a question you get to, to yeah. ask yourself while watching hemophora i guess because i don't i don't have an answer when she touches his face before he puts her to sleep she says are you okay and I just thought, well that is a good question are you okay serious why are yeah. you doing this I don't know, why isn't she just running away? Why isn't she, yeah. like, getting help? She's, like, figured out who kidnapped Maria. Mm-hmm. Being kind to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's the, the, the same question uh, you ask yourself as a, a, as a viewer. It's like, why in the first place is uh, Sirius doing this? As far as I'm concerned, we don't get a satisfactory answer to that. No. Either. Episode 11 is called The Moment of My Doom Arrived, dot, 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 part two. What the heck? We're back in modern-day Japan. Previous life Katarina's messy air-conditioned room, to be exact, where she is rudely awakened by her mother. As per anime convention, Katarina is late for school, 
she rushes off with a pickle or a cucumber in her mouth, <laughs> much to the consternation of her mother. Yeah, it's very cute. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's, there's this moment when she gets out of bed and she's like looking in the mirror and she's like uh, touching her hair and she says, I wonder if there's anything I could do about these cow licks. And uh, as a person with like terminally messy hair, I can relate to this girl. <laughs> So this is the uh, this is the uh, dick joke that I. I, was... I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I did. I totally did notice that when I watched it. You, did, you didn't read this as a as a dick joke, or? No. Yeah, I did. I just forgot about it. Oh, all right, right. <laughs> see. Yeah, she she has a. I'm gonna say it's a pickle. Uh, yeah, I think like a, so. A, a gherkin, and her mother is like, "If you have to eat on the run, at least take bread or something." She is she is aware of the uh, the, the signaling going on here. She uh, certainly is. If she watched uh, My Next Life as a Villainess, she would have read the eggplants as dick jokes too. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Having arrived late to school, we see Achan and Katerina reunited. She offers her omelet roll to Katerina from her bento, the sign of true friendship. Yeah, very cute. And they talk about fortune lover. Katerina keeps making unforeseen allusions to the world of the game, but no one seems to be bothered by it, and even Katerina forgets almost immediately. And thus, Katerina returns to her routines of old, watching TV with the family, being corporal punished by teachers, and tandem book reading with Achan. However, Katerina can't shake the nagging feeling that she's forgetting something. So this really made me ask the question, where is she really? I guess it's like, it's made clearer later in the episode. Is, is what's happening while she's like back in modern day Japan, is that a dream? What is the real world? I think at this point I was thinking, Oh, so Sirius Deke used a magical sleeping spell, so the Katarina in Japan, who was uh, sleeping uh, because of a, a coma or something, has suddenly awakened. I thought it was going to go to roots of the, uh, it was all a dream fake out. The Wizard of Oz. Like, like the Wizard of Oz, as shit's Hollywood film. That could have been a shit anime. If, if it had mm-hmm. the fucking balls, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought it was. I thought it was going that way with it. Uh, <laughs> That's the the most original take I've ever heard on the Wizard of Oz. Could have could have been a good anime if it had the fucking balls. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that about that movie before. <laughs> Walt Disney face me, coward. <laughs> <laughs> he won't. He doesn't have the fucking <laughs> Dig up Walt Disney so I can <laughs> fight his ass. <laughs> Hell yeah. Back in the world of Fortune Lover, Katarina is abed, watched over by a doctorly-looking doctor. She's been asleep for two days, and already the gang has spared no expense to get the best medical mind on the case. And the outlook does not seem positive, however. Alan specifically <laughs> says the doctor that we've got is the best and most intelligent doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the best doctor in all the realm. <laughs> and then the next scene is like, sorry, <laughs> nothing she I can could, do. She could wake up at any moment, or she could die. <laughs> 
The doctor admits to being fully useless to Katarina's assessment. Tears are cried and walls are slammed by the gang. Later, Ann is doing her best to take care of Katarina in her comatose state, but she is also feeling at a loss. In this scene, Anne picks up a little pot. I thought it was a neti pot. <laughs> Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was I like, wow, gonna... she's, she's really gonna like pour that in her ear. Is that how they work, or like in her nose? In her nose. Yeah. Yeah. She really gonna do that to her? It doesn't seem safe. And then she just drops it on the floor anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it's the it same. It looked like one. It's the same exact photo. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a neti pot. <laughs> so it doesn't seem safe to do that to someone who's unconscious. No, don't do that. <laughs> Reincarnated as podcaster's health tip. Do not neti pots a comatose person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a doctor, but I could, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's good advice. The more you know. Jordo walks in and relieves Anne for the moment. He shows genuine concern as he sits at Katerina's bedside. He recalls how Katerina's presence shook him out of the tedium of his everyday life and how important their connection is. He then transfers some liquid to her via mouth-to-mouth. Yeah. <laughs> First he takes a sip of what looks like booze. And then he makes out with her while she's asleep. Yeah. This guy is unhinged. And he's like, in his mind, he's like, he's uh, in his inner monologue. He basically describes a really unhealthy attachment to a person. Where he's like, I was bored and everything was black and white. And because of this one person, I feel emotion. And without this person, I cannot feel emotion. This seems really unhealthy to me. And then he takes a sip of booze and like kisses her while she's asleep. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, definitely a a visual that, like, adds a bit of dissonance, but I I felt genuinely uh, sort of moved by um, Jordo's uh, plea here, and not so much that I suddenly became sympathetic to him, uh, Mm. but I kind of felt where he was coming from. Perhaps it helps if if you were a a piece of shit dude who's had (laughs) women help him all of his life. <laughs> and and the the sort of scenes that follow as well are just like um, mm. I, I thought really really worked. Yeah, they're really nice. Each of the characters are having a dark night of the soul as they recall the profound effect that Katarina has had on their life. How this sweet, unassuming simpleton lifted them out of their internal strifes and taught them how to love themselves. It's pretty moving. Alan finally realizes he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. Nickel has some thoughts. Nickel, I, I, he doesn't say it, he thinks it. He thinks the most we've ever heard him say. <laughs> <laughs> he says, like, a whole paragraph of stuff. And yeah. it's, all, it's all, like, you know, banal, like, I have feelings for her and she's engaged to someone else, yeah. so it's really sad. Yeah. But, like, he's, at least he's talking. Uh, but the, the thing is, none of them realize... That she's only friends with them to avoid doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it starts out that way. Yeah, of, I'm being ungenerous. <laughs> it starts out that way, but it becomes uh, it becomes something else. But uh, as we saw in, in the book episode, like her only real desire is to eat. They, they don't really play a role in what she really wants. <laughs> uh, well, at least at this point, I think probably later on, I would say she feels differently. 
Yeah, getting to the bottom of what is truly going on in uh, Katarina is uh, so some of the uh, fun uh, to to be had with um, mm-hmm. an alternative readings of the text. I, I feel. Yes. Yeah, Nicole has some thoughts. Uh, sort sort of like yes, Katarina is a uh, adequately desirable person. I would like to be in her proximity for uh, as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> We ought to do a character rankings. I've, I've just decided oh, yeah, <laughs> we ought to do a character yeah. rankings at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of which one I hate the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Nickel, definitely. <laughs> if Sirius uh, Deke is not in the running. Yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do that at the end. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll do it at the end. <laughs> Sophia is especially distraught. At night, she hears a voice coming from inside of her, declaring, I am going to save Katerina. Sophia walks to the window and finds the reflection of Achan looking back at her. Probably enough for any regular person's uh, brain to to explode in, like, uh, (laughs) Lovecraftian horror. Yeah, this really confused me, actually. I mean, this whole sequence of events really confused me. I guess we could talk about it more once we've described what actually happens. At that point, the gang snaps out of their despair and rush to Katarina's bedside, where Jordo is already present. When Mary snaps out of her despair, she says, I am Katarina's best friend, Mary Ann. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, Mary. <laughs> you are her, her best friend out of all of them. I love that she, uh, and this is uh, the, the defining, the, the trait that she chooses to, def- to define herself by. So. Yeah, <laughs> but it's probably not even true. <laughs> they voice their determination to stay by Katarina's side until she wakes up. Sophia silently says a prayer, and Achan responds. We're back in the previous life. Katarina is running through an empty twilight-colored school corridor. She opens the door to a classroom to find Achan there. An insert song starts playing, signaling that it is at last time to feel some feels. Mm-hmm. Was I ever feeling it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a nice moment. Just a, a blatant uh, signaling for an emotional response. You, it mm-hmm. happens, uh, you see it everywhere, all, all kinds of shows. Every anime's got a moment like this, but it fucking hit me. Yeah. It hit me. They sit and talk about school and games for a bit, but Katarina keeps getting flashes of her other life. Achan gently reminds her that she doesn't belong to this world anymore and that her friends are calling for her. In the other world, the gang are crying out for their precious girl to return to them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Katarina's memory returns to her, and her avatar becomes that of Katarina from the game again, rather than the messy-haired schoolgirl of her previous life. The insert song swells, and the classroom around her starts to crumble and disintegrate. The floor gives way to a starry, magical void. Achan reveals Maria's location and Sirius's real name. She believes Katarina can save them both. At this point, I'm 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 emotional. This is a, this is a, a, mm, a powerful yeah. moment. This uh, parting, this uh, a letting go that uh, Achan has to perform. Even though yeah. my critical brain is like, 
wait a second, just, where is Achan exactly? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what was confusing to me. So she sees her reflection in the mirror, in the window or whatever. And she's like, oh, I have to save Katerina. Katerina is right now asleep and dreaming this. Yes. So how is Achan there with presence of mind and autonomy uh, and also able to connect with the fortune lover world via <laughs> yes. uh, reflection and also inhabit Sophia at the same time. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, yeah. like uh, Achan is like uh, in some sort of uh, free place at one superposition or, yeah. or something. He's pulling some, some fucking uh, Agent Smith in the Matrix type <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's uh, it's 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 wild when you when you start thinking about it, and then I started thinking about like, uh, well, wait a second, if this fortune lover world seems to be just as real a place as this dream world that like uh, Katarina is uh, making up where she is uh, back to, to to normal supposedly, um, how come all of a sudden uh, the world is uh, fortune fortune lover is where she belongs and uh, the the friends mm. that she has in her previous life are less significant or less magically significant than uh, did the difference that she's uh, made in, in Fortune Lover. It's uh, especially given that uh, like her family are there in like her real life yeah. or her original life. Like her brother is there and he like makes a little joke at her at the breakfast table and it's sh- like it shows her hanging out with them in the house yeah. and it looks really nice and she's like oh my family is so great but I uh, have to go to the other people who love me. <laughs> yeah, and we get the sense that like uh, uh, some some time passes uh, for yeah. for Katerina in like uh, re- reverting to uh, the uh, modern day Japan, right? It it seems mm-hmm. like uh, at least uh, like at, at least a week, maybe more. Yeah, <laughs> seems to... time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, at least yeah. more more than a few days. Yeah. So these these are all of the the holes I was trying to pick in this uh, in this very sweet, very touching <laughs> moments, and uh, I was my eyes were welling up. <laughs> this this was hitting the, the the good shit was was hitting, uh, but you know it's uh, f- funny at, at odds still. <laughs> I I think I di- I didn't quite well up. I thought it was really emotional when she's well in the next bit where she like realizes she's got to say goodbye to Achan but yeah it did it didn't quite hit me maybe because I was so taken out of the moment by the confusing (laughs) multi-Achan multi-present thing maybe that like made it harder for me to because because it's like she's She's like Sophia is our chance yeah 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 that's 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 not really saying goodbye to her at all that's fair, and 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 for me, in my in my imagination, in my uh, my head canon, there is a deeper relationship between uh, Achan and Katarina, which mm. um, the show does not confirm by the end of these uh, episodes. No, it doesn't. Either, sadly, that's uh, just uh, I'm I'm the fool there, <laughs> yeah. hoping and wishing. <laughs> As Katerina drifts into the ether, she realizes that this might be the last time she sees Achan, and making up for leaving so suddenly the first time, she cries out, I'm so glad I got to see you again. Their fingers touch before Katerina disappears completely. At this point, I'm a wreck. 
<laughs> it hit you in the field. I was, I, I was a wreck. Yeah, th this is this is where it really hit. Uh, it was it was mm -hmm. building up to to this, and, and this is and this is where it hit. Back in the world of fortune lover, Katarina has woken up. She doesn't waste a moment declaring that she has to rescue Maria. She tells them where Maria can be found, and that it came to her in a dream. She gives him a breakdown on Sirius and his dark magic. Katarina's intuition tells her that Maria is safe. Yep. They set off immediately, traversing some spooky woods and entering the abandoned storehouse on school grounds. Which they say is owned by the Deke family or built by the Deke family. Uh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Owned and built by the Deke family for creepy purposes only. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> like a serial killer basement. Yeah, and I just struck a deal with the school to like uh, build a little <laughs> serial killer dungeon in, on their school grounds. Very Rich sus. people, huh? <laughs> yeah. A hidden door leads to a hidden room where Maria is found shackled to a bed. She's freed and in one piece. Together, they decide to delve further. Katerina is determined to have a long chat with Sirius Deke. Yeah, she wants to have a reasonable conversation with this very <laughs> reasonable person who imprisoned her friend and tried to make her sleep forever. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Um, Elsewhere in this dungeon, Sirius sits alone on the floor of a room filled with melting candles and arcane symbols scrawled on the walls. He is having an angry flashback to Katarina appreciating his tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes him so angry. She says it's got a gentle flavor, and he's like, ah! <laughs> Your tea is so gentle. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> He did a good job of containing his rage whenever she said it, though. <laughs> right? Mm. God. How the fuck can you trust this motherfucker after all of that? A voice coming from inside Sirius is compelling him towards revenge, but he seems resigned to his own doom. He recalls an awful scene where Sirius was forced to witness his own mother's death. She reaches out to Sirius. Avenge me, she says. I really like that. I like, hell yeah, that's the kind of like mother character I want to see. You don't often see a mother telling their child to avenge them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. The, the the mother from Wolf Children would not do that. Yeah, I, I'd love for that to be like the last thing I said to my child. <laughs> and then they would just have to do it. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> the gang have made their way to the boss door of this dungeon. They open it and find Sirius arriving in the dark aura of his magic. Alan and Jordo step through the doors with swords drawn, but before they can do anything, Katarina steps forward. I did not realize that um, at first that they had brought swords with them. I guess they were planning on like dabbing Sirius with a sword, so like, <laughs> they expecting a sword fight. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it was just like a show of like a male strength or something, bringing the swords to a magic fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, 
Yeah, at, 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 at this point, I, I, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Am I watching a different anime? Uh, <laughs> this is, there is a, a, a lot going on, like uh, mm-hmm. the, the bit with uh, Achan and Katarina floating through the void and like deconstructing uh, Katarina's dream world. And it's like a uh, fucking... Mm paprika inception (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, all of a sudden we've got Sirius Deke basically doing like Shinji ego deaf eyes and like uh, like having flashbacks to his mother like uh, demanding revenge yeah it was completely different in tone to anything else in this show tonal whiplash most definitely it got dark all of a sudden It's wild, and I, I guess that's just a thing you gotta do when you're bringing a show like this to an end. They, yeah, they didn't so. really uh, establish much of a plot. They just uh, uh, gave us some some sweet slice of life harem comedy bits, and, uh, and they had to cap it off with something. And, yeah, very um, true. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, per- perhaps we can revisit whether it's cool or not after yeah. discussing the next episode. <laughs> It was so certainly ex- exciting, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Compared yeah. to other stuff that happens in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was along for the ride. I was yeah. ready. I was ready for the next Me episode. Too. Episode twelve, and the final event has begun. Dot dot dot. Katarina and Sirius have their face off. Sirius is astounded that Katarina would still show up after what he did to her, but she has taken up the duty of repair. Katarina is not leaving without a serious chat, our restorative justice queen. It was so weird to me that he was like, after what I did to you, what the hell are you doing here? And she's like, it wasn't that bad, really. Like, what? He wanted her to sleep forever, and the, the doctor was like, she might just die because she'll get too weak in her sleep and die. It's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I mean, she she makes the point that, like, if Sirius really wanted to kill her, then he could have done it at that uh, very moment, but he didn't. I guess that's, that's sort of true. And I've been reading this book called A Conflict is Not Abuse, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, put this weird overlay on this scene just like uh, made it extra uh, funny to me because the, the book is about you know how uh, people sort of turn normative conflicts into abuse or scenarios in which uh, abuse could be inferred which is a way of like uh, leveraging power over people and uh, having punitive effects on their life etc i'm not i'm mm-hmm. not done with the book yet but like at this point i'm like uh, well shit is this is this kind conflict or abuse like being <laughs> having a sleep spell cast on you when he could have uh, cast a murder spell um perhaps this is uh within the realm of normative conflict <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah lots of questions uh what, what were you gonna say my thought on this is like yes he could have killed her with an instant murder spell but he also didn't believe that his dark magic spell putting her to sleep could be broken he was like shocked that it had been broken when she walked in so he thought that he was putting her to sleep forever mm-hmm. that's what he intended to do he knew that that would kill her in a sense he thought he was killing her <laughs> yeah. he, didn't, he didn't think that she would wake up from it yeah yeah going for the, the slow slow death very exactly slow death. like he genuinely uh was intending to remove her from existence 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of see Katarina's uh, perspective, but at at the same time, acknowledging that like uh, she's she's being extremely saintly uh, towards this uh, <laughs> yeah. towards why. this piece of shit. Uh, but she she's she's able to see past this pain and anguish that uh, this consuming uh, series, and like it's revealed, of course, um, that anguish isn't really real. But like at the same time, it, it muddies the motivations for for everyone involved. Like I, I still don't understand why Sirius is so fucking angry at Katarina. Why does yeah, he? Why does he hate her so much? Why does he have such a rage boner for Katarina? What's going on? Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can understand his rage and where it comes from, but I don't understand why he's directing it towards her. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. He's got plenty of reason to be angry, but like. Uh, why Katarina? Katarina is not leaving without a serious chat. Our restorative justice queen. But before that can be done, there's some backstory that needs serving. Sirius fills them in on his tragic past. It seems that our red-headed stepchild is the offspring of an illicit affair between a commoner and a noble. Surprise, surprise. Mm. The noble being of the Deke household... Yeah. Sirius is living with his mum far away from all that now. They're having tea in peace when their door is kicked open by some butlers and they get abducted. Yeah, that was dark. I I, I couldn't help but think of like uh, how you uh, mentioned the uh, way that the butlers are dressed. <laughs> in, in that one episode yeah in suits yeah yeah and so like um the, the guys that kicked down the door are wearing similar suits and i'm like oh they're, they're butlers mm. i guess it's the <laughs> kidnap butlers the, the, uniform, the uniform of butlers yeah. established the, the, the butlers of kidnapping Lady Deke has kidnapped them and brought them to the same arcane cellar where the gang is located in the present it seems that the lady's intention is to gain the power of dark magic by having an evil priest kill the mum and use it to transfer the memories of her own dying son, who is actually named Sirius, into the body of the boy that we've come to know as Sirius. To top it off, both boys look exactly alike. <laughs> They're basically twins. <laughs> yeah. Do not, I repeat, do not think too much about this shit because <laughs> your brain will fry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it will fry. This is, this is convoluted. Uh, poorly constructed and like kind of hilarious in its poor construction uh but the, the, the moment you start like uh trying to put shit together it just it just does not hold up <laughs> what do yeah. they look alike <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what is going on who the fuck knows okay. i guess they're, they're technically half brothers is that right sure sure yeah technically like, half brothers but half brothers don't look like twins most yeah. of the time. Bro- they're brothers from other mothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mothers who look uh, very different. Uh, for one, um, the uh, a Lady Deke does not have red hair. Um, mm. <laughs> the Sirius, uh, whose name is actually Raphael, <laughs> his, <laughs> his, his mother does have red hair. Uh, so mm. I'm guessing that uh, the uh, uh, Deke, Sir Master 
uh, Mr. Deke, <laughs> <laughs> uh, has red hair also and has like a dominance, like a, um, a red hair gene or whatever the fuck. I guess, like, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's, a, that's all the, the brain energy I'm expending on that. The evil priest does the thing, the mom gets killed, and the memories get transferred. Of course, for all of that, the priest gets a knife in the back. He swears revenge on the lady. He's, before, she, before she has him killed, he's like, okay, I did the thing you asked, can I now see my family? And she's like, sure, and then they stab him. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that's, I guess, to show that uh, he's only doing this because she has like uh, blackmailed him or manipulated him or threatened his family or something. Y- yes. He's, he's not... Uh, necessarily evil yeah that's that's what they're saying right yeah but his appearance to me is uh that of a very evil priest yeah (laughs) a very evil like monk yeah yeah no he he was evil before his uh his family got abducted if you ask me and like uh once reunited with his family he'd probably just go go back to just being an evil piece of shit like regardless (laughs) except not doing it for someone else i wonder if his family's better off without him yeah or or maybe his family is equally evil i don't know maybe Maybe they're an evil family (laughs) yeah it's the cool evil family, like uh, like the Adams family, but like a- actually evil. <laughs> Back in the present, Sirius explains that though the other Sirius's memories were transferred to him, his own being remained intact. Unfortunately, Lady Deke did not consider the ontological ramifications of dark magic. So what actually happened here was she had heard there was a spell that could transfer her son's mind into another child's body. Yeah, well, his, his memories. But it didn't, yeah, but it actually, like, didn't really do that. Well, it, it, it did. He got, like, all of his memories, but, like, that didn't stop... It didn't erase Ra- his Raphael. own self. Yeah, it didn't stop yeah. Raphael from being Raphael. He just like uh, yeah. So she didn't think it through very much. No, <laughs> no, she didn't. But she did kill a mother and an evil priest in like the, in the meantime. She's a she's a piece of shit. <laughs> so after like this ritual is complete, the memory transfer ritual, uh, Raphael wakes up and says, "Okasan." Is that because he's like already decided he's going to pretend to be serious now? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, per- perhaps like just from that very moment his uh, his revenge began. Or, like, uh, <laughs> maybe he was influenced by the the evil priest ghost. Yeah, the <laughs> evil priest ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, listen, the show is great. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, back in the present, um, where was I? Um, oh, oh, um, yeah, ontological ramifications of dark magic. What she also did not foresee was that Sirius somehow acquired dark magic too. (laughs) My aching brain. (laughs) 
and and so serious slash not serious sets his slow convoluted revenge into motion so just in the, in the show notes the pick the screenshot that you've got here of him. <laughs> also for some reason i acquired dark magic yeah, yeah for some reason <laughs> what the hell like um, like, they, they've ex- they've already explicitly established in this show that the only way to get dark magic is to kill someone. Yeah, no, seriously, but he gets read it that for book. some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why does he get it? And the, uh, oh man, I I thought it was awesome that they were just yeah. willing to discard this. Yeah, this, uh, they just don't give a fuck. Hard world building that they did like two episodes ago. They're like, fuck it, everyone's dark magic now. <laughs> you get dark magic, and you get dark magic. <laughs> <laughs> of of course that isn't the case, but like uh, in in this moment I'm like yes this is awful. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, and Very convenient. Yeah, I I loved it. Hearing this story touches Katarina's heart. She unleashes the full power of friendship on the unsuspecting Sirius, calling him by his real name, Raphael. This causes Sirius slash Raphael to remember that his mom did not wish for revenge with her dying breath. <laughs> this is a falsified memory that was implanted in him by the spirit of the evil priest who was killed that night and went on in ghost form to possess Raphael, bestowing dark magic on him so as to seek his revenge against Lady Deke and hold a grudge against Katarina for some reason. Yeah, why does doing all this stuff to Katarina help him get his revenge on Lady Deke? It doesn't, in no way. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. It's uh, it's dumb. Um, okay, a, a couple of things. Katarina like drops that line, like uh, your your tea is so gentle tasting or whatever, and Raphael's mother says the same line in the flashback. Uh, mm-hmm. So perhaps this line sort of like uh, inflamed his r- r- rage somehow yeah i guess yeah uh, and like he's he's possessed by an angry ghost who's like uh, getting him to seek revenge that's you know fake fake plea for revenge and he sees like a uh, katarina turning around the lives of these these other people in her life that uh could have gone bad in in, in many ways and like he's like uh, well I, I wish that could be me i wish i could be released from this uh, uh fake demand for revenge somehow and uh, perhaps that like uh, stirs up some incel rage in him as well yeah um, i can see that yeah, and, and maybe his anger towards Lady Deke sort of metastasizes into uh, just a general anger towards uh, nobility in the ruling class. And yeah. Katarina being a representation of that, like, also sort of sparks that ire. Um, yeah. So I, I can I offer, think, yeah, like, I, think, yeah. <laughs> I could offer, like, a couple of explanations, but none of these are present in the show. Yeah. <laughs> none none of these are like very well represented in the show at all and like i i can't remember exactly why but i kind of got the impression as well that the ghost hated raphael the priest really hated raphael and <laughs> wanted him to suffer as well yeah well if i was inside of this this dork's body forever like, <laughs> god can you imagine <laughs> 
Yeah. That would that would suck big time. In any case, Katarina saves him with the power of friendship, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> she uses the the power of friendship as she she glows with a uh, a white uh, holy light and uh, burns away all of the, the ghostly shit. Where, where was I? Bestowing dark magic on him so as to seek revenge against Lady Dig. Oh yeah. Anyway, Raphael says fuck off to the ghost and it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's and that's that. That's that's basically what happens. Um, he says, "I don't want to do revenge anymore, uh, so uh, uh, be gone, get thee behind me, Satan." And yeah, the, the ghost sort of flies off and uh, disappears, dissipates. With that neatly wrapped up, Raphael decides to turn himself in and expose his evil stepmom as well. He could have just done this all along exposed his evil stepmom for revenge because like it sounds like they suffer some consequences right the the deke woman yeah yeah couldn't he have just done that for his revenge yeah they could have done that yes but uh, uh i guess instead he like fucks around like putting <laughs> katarina in a coma and like, yeah. like making like the mean girls at school like pretend that she bullied maria <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, what was the purpose of that? Actually, when, yeah. when you think about it, it's like, do, does the ghost know that the outcome of like uh, Katarina being blamed for bullying is that Jordo fucking slices her? Does the, the ghost? <laughs> the ghost doesn't fucking know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I guess it is uh, sort of established that the, the ghost is uh, kind of a fan of a uh, convoluted, drawn-out revenge, like having put. <laughs> Having put Katarina to sleep rather than, like, uh, murdering her on the spot. So maybe he, like, maybe he had some plans down the line for <laughs> Lady Deke. Maybe, yeah. That's just, that's just shit. It's just bad, bad writing. But I'm, um, I'm gobbling also, it up. Also, in the dungeon episode, this is, like, the same black mist that we saw in the dungeon episode. Yes. That Deke has. Yeah. That's never really explained. Like, we have to assume it was him, but why? And yep. What was that about? Yep. Uh, no explanation. <laughs> That's right. Maybe he had, like, a, a moment of clarity and used his magic to save Katarina. Or maybe it was, like, a, a kind of, a, no, I'm not done with you yet. Yeah. I want to emotionally torture you, so don't die here. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a possibility. But again, the uh, the show neither confirms nor denies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a what a what a mess! Excellent. What a yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a beautiful mess! A beautiful mess. <laughs> Katarina has averted the extra bad ending, but Fortune Lover is not over yet. There is a final event yet to come, the second year graduation ceremony. And and here it does like just a, a, another sort of tonal emotional whiplash. It's like uh, just just freed your bestie from a murder dungeon and like uh, exorcised an evil ghost from uh, an, an asshole. And then all of a sudden you're like, yikes! It's the f- final uh, graduation ceremony. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it like it got completely shifts back to uh, the regular programming that's a lot (laughs) 
Yeah. The the Council of Katerina has explained that the graduation ceremony is where Maria decides to confess to her crush. What follows supposedly has an effect on Katerina's fate, but it's not entirely clear how. In any case, she is prepared for all eventualities. Anne has even modified Katerina's dress so she can more easily stuff her face. A queen. <laughs> She's got a bag packed so like, in case she needs to flee. Like all her essentials. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. At the ceremony, Katerina offers Nicole a veggie bouquet. And this is a real thing, and I want one. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I looked it up. Oh, hell yeah. And this also causes Alan to joke or laugh. Alan's got such a beautiful laugh. <laughs> Alan is the king, and I'll do anything for him. <laughs> Jordo and Alan do a musical performance together, but Katarina is unable to relax. It seems whatever course Maria will take could lead to her doom. Katarina is stress-eating. Keith tries to fat shame her, but the girls bring her more cake. Yeah, Keith was rude as fuck here. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's like stop eating so much. You're disgusting. Yeah, I, I know. I know who I'm shipping. Like, uh, freak off, Keith. After a bit, Katarina decides to muster her courage and just ask Maria who it is that she likes. She responds truthfully that she likes Katarina. But she is not satisfied with this answer. Uh, Katerina, that is. Maria then confesses with a line that Katerina recognizes from the game. This leads to the rest of the gang confessing as well, more or less. Katerina determines this to be the rare friendship ending of the game. Doom averted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, except... Uh, this is one moment where I, I fucking wish Katarina showed like uh, some degree of awareness. Every everyone like um, Maria triggers just a cascade of, of confessions or like a, yeah. I, I love you, Katarina. I want to be with you forever, etc., etc. Yeah, every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, oh, it's the friendship ending. <laughs> yeah, and as you know, when she says to Maria, "Is there someone you like?" Maria's like, "Well, you're the one that I like the most." And then Katarina's like, no, I mean, is there a boy that you want to have a relationship with? And Maria says, uh, no, there isn't. I like you. <laughs> and she's still like, ah, I've got no, you're indecipherable. What? And then and then one by one, every single one of them comes over like, I also uh, want to be with you forever. I also want to be with you forever. I, and she's just like, oh, we're all friends, I guess. <laughs> like friend zones, every single one of them. Really giving them that NPC treatment now. <laughs> Yeah, it's the five-way friend zone. That's a uh, yeah. That's that's the show we're saddled with, I guess. Yeah. Later, the gang are all chilling with tea and snacks in the student council office. To Katarina's surprise, Raphael walks in to say hi. So basically, it's it's worth noting that the second year graduation ceremony, kind of the person of honor, is Nickel. Yeah. Because he's a second year and he's graduating. And he's the one they give all the bunches of flowers and the veggie bouquet to and stuff. So mm. this is like his special day. Mm. But then when Raphael comes, they're like, oh, we all decided to invite Raphael as a surprise for you, Katarina. <laughs> so like on Nickel's special day, they just, uh, they organize a surprise for Katarina. 
Yeah, that's a strongly NPC brain shit right yeah. there. <laughs> and it's her surprise is she gets to see that douchebag Raphael. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> like, is he not? I, I hope he's been punished for like abducting Maria and like uh, assaulting her by uh, giving her chloroform. One would hope, but uh, I, I get the feeling that um, justice system in the society is a, a, a bit skewed. I don't think Lady Dick is going to be behind bars for very long either. Like, uh, mm. <laughs> I mean, they're uh, all rich anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, kind of an anticlimax. I see this this fucko like uh, just walk back into to, to Katarina's life and just get down on one knee and be like, uh, mm. "Can I join your harem, please?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gets down on one knee and asks Katarina to join her bisexual harem. Jordo is feeling extremely cucked right now. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> I love it. Raphael also says that he, he can't finish high school, I guess because of what he did, but he's now working for the Department of Magic? Yeah, so he basically got to skip high school. Yeah, <laughs> and he got a sweet job. Like, So he didn't get punished. He got given a sweet job and gets to skip high school. Yeah, some uh, b- bizarre messaging going on here. I was just looking at my notes. Something I wrote down here, which we didn't mention, is Maria baked Katerina a special new recipe here. <laughs> yeah. When they're sitting in the room, the student council office, Maria's like, I baked you. Me and my mom came up with a brand new recipe for you because we thought you might get tired of eating the same thing. And I just saw, oh my fucking God, more of this fucking dumb cake shit. <laughs> this is all maria can do she's got nothing else going for her like she could just ply katarina with cakes the dumb cake girl yeah i thought we'd i thought we'd be able to get to the end of the show without having to see any more of that shit (laughs) here we go (laughs) back up to her old tricks immediately yeah (laughs) you just got out of a, a fucking dungeon i'd like to know just how much time has passed between this this dungeon excursion and uh graduation ceremony uh, like uh yeah and and the, the guy that abducted her shows up and <laughs> asks to join their crew and they're like yeah we invited him as a surprise we, if would I was you her, like I'd be some angry. new cake yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very insensitive to uh to, to maria's position uh <laughs> Man, I still like this show. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. I love this show. Oh, I'll be watching season two. <laughs> oh man, anime! What have you done to me? <laughs> and so spring arrives. People are doing stuff. Katarina reflects on this hectic period of her life. Now, with the game of Fortune and Lover having come to an end, Katarina has to face a new unscripted reality alongside her friends what adventures await them tune in next season there we go also we get a little post-credit sequence it seems that katarina's custom order realistic looking toy snakes have become kind of a hot commodity among shoppers now so yeah i don't know why they felt the need to show us that this is a very weird, like, uh, post-credit sequence for the last episode of the series. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this is the part where uh, the game of Fortune Lover is is, is over, basically. This gaping existential abyss uh, awaits Katarina, uh, where uh, nothing can be predicted. Uh, she she had an idea of uh, where her doom uh, might come from, but uh, now she has uh, nothing to guide her. Which, uh, you know, makes makes me kind of excited for for season two. Uh, yeah, but tempered my expectations somewhat after having uh, seen this. <laughs> I, I I can imagine season two being the same in that like most of the episodes are just like similar to what most of this first series has been, and then like the last three episodes. They do some dark shit, and everything goes back to normal. A time-honored recipe, much like yeah. the, the recipe for uh, Maria's cake or whatever. Fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> cut that. Cut, cut it. <laughs> All right. Um. So that was uh, episode ten to twelve of Hamafura. Um, that was that was Hamafura. Do, do you have any any closing thoughts for uh, for for us, uh, Vicky, on uh, these three episodes and or the the entirety of Hamafura? What did you think? I thought it was a really fun show overall. I didn't really expect for any like romance to really be fulfilled or delivered. So I. I wasn't disappointed in that regard um i guess in the penultimate episode where she's asleep and she's back in her life and she has to let go of her life and realizes that katarina is her life now i thought that was like a really nice way to end it from the perspective of uh, uh isekai from w- mm. w- what you know about isekai like uh, how do you feel like hamafura sort of uh, fulfilled those expectations or like went it went against them So if an isekai is traditionally about a normal person being transported to another world and being forced to assimilate, I think it's very classically isekai in that sense. And she's kind of like, by the end of the season, she has accepted the new world as being the world that she now belongs to. Uh, In a sense, this is now the real world for her. I don't know how common a thing that is in isekai. Um, I don't know if the point of isekai shows generally is about characters trying to get back to their original world. That remains to be seen, as I still haven't seen any isekai really apart from this one. So yeah, I'm, I'm not not sure. Yeah, so for myself, what I thought about uh, the last three episodes, I thought they were wild and unexpected. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, a, a lot that is uh, a, a teased at and developed throughout the uh, episodes that precede this, and uh, we are given uh, almost uh, we're given very little payoff on on any of mm. that. We're confounded by like completely brand new concepts that are introduced in in these three episodes. Uh, it's a it's a great way to sort of uh, just uh, spoil what you've uh, set up. Yeah, uh, it became really wacky didn't it it's yeah it's like not necessarily in a good way it's it it really went off on some uh some weird tangents but i was oddly satisfied with um how how it ended i think i even texted you afterwards and i was like yeah i'll i'll I'll, I'll accept that i'll take that what i felt uh with the ending was in a way i kind of liked how simple it was we get a villain introduced in the final three episodes yeah and in the final episode, the villain's arc is resolved by 
They explain why he's a villain. Uh-huh. They get Katarina to convince him with the power of friendship. And now he's not a villain anymore and everything's fine. Yeah. Really, really, really simple way to end it. Exactly. Uh, and I, I don't know why, but I liked that. I think there's a lot of other shows where I probably wouldn't like that, but maybe it's just because I'm like, attached to the other things that the show is about. Exactly. I, I felt like it didn't need to be overly complicated. Like they had to find a way to wrap up the ending and add some tension later in the narrative. And they found a way to do that that was easily resolved. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's that's precisely it. That's uh, that's how I sort of felt about uh, these these last three. And as as a series in in general, I'd I'd say I I really enjoyed Hemophora. It it has flaws, and mm-hmm. it's uh, pretty simple, but it's also uh, really chill. And uh, the characters are good. <laughs> the characters, <laughs> the characters I mean... are. Some of them are. I, I, I like them. They, they're, they're charming. Mm. Katarina is, is a plus. She's, she's a, yeah. she's a great character. I like her mm-hmm. a lot. And um, the rest of them, some I liked, some I disliked. Um, I think they fulfilled their purpose as uh, harem avatars yeah. <laughs> very well. Um, I like that this was a bisexual harem. I liked the, the bisexual representation. I did not like that uh, Katarina uh, did not pursue any um, gay romance uh, throughout the, the show. Not pursued any romance. Or at any all. romance, yeah. Yeah. That kind of sucks, but I think the thing that the show does the the, the most successfully in like in demonstrating and tackling through the lens of isekai is the position of 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 women in 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 this worlds in, in this game worlds kind of the prevalence of, of threats in their lives the kind of position of like anticipation that that they are put in at all times uh, a, a position of uh, cautiousness and wariness this is a, a really heavy subject um, that takes care and, and tremendous sympathy to be able to express and the show does that really well with like with humor with like uh, goofy harem comedy anime humor <laughs> just yeah. disguises like all of these really real concepts and like this wonderful colorful rapper known as uh, Hamafura <laughs> it's it's really funny when you consider it i like this show and... yeah just like touching on what you said about uh, the humor in the show i think it also does a really good job knowing when it doesn't need to use humor in the really sad moments when uh, she's remembering her life with achan and like or when like achan looks at the last text that she ever got from katarina and stuff like that it handles those moments really nicely and they get the kind of seriousness that they deserve or like the weight that they deserve. There's some some good tonal moments, some moments of tonal whiplash, but like... Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which is why it's so confusing. Yeah. Why does it do something so well and some not? Yeah, roll on season two. I'll probably watch it not right away as it comes out, but I will be watching season two. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, you, you want to do a quick just ranking of the harem members? Plus, mm, okay. plus Sirius? Well, Sirius goes at the bottom, it, without a doubt. Yeah, no, same for me, so I might as well just discount him. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Sirius. 
I'll do I'll do them from the bottom to number one. Yeah. Um, so I think Jordo's at the bottom for me, even though he did sh- show some re- semi-redeeming qualities in the last couple of episodes. Too little, too late. Uh, too little, too late, exactly. I think... Oh, wait, no, Nickel maybe goes below Jordo. That, that's... <laughs> because Nickel's so lame and boring, and like I have no idea what kind of person he is. He's just a creepy weirdo who doesn't say anything. Um, <laughs> uh, so Nickel, Jordo, I think probably Keith just above Jordo because Keith like I, I think he's pretty chill uh, and he's funny but he also like does a, like a bad job of like shaming Katarina for her behavior at times yeah which I didn't which I didn't like Did he, um, he doesn't just let her be her it, yeah it's, he does this like from, from child, child age from, yeah, child, yeah. from child age <laughs> yeah I didn't like that about Keith I think probably next Sophia <sighs> Yeah, I think next Sophia, because I like that they had stuff in common and that she's Achan and stuff. I didn't really get her character personality other than the fact that they both like comic books. Really into books. That's... Yeah, she's just really into books. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it's hard for me because I know I'm only putting Alan up here because Alan's my boy fave. <laughs> but I have to. Uh, should he go above Sophia? Is that fair? Mary's definitely number one. Be, be true to your heart. Yeah, Mary's definitely number one. Then Alan, then Sophia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, what if we included Katerina in, in this? Where, where is she, where oh, Katerina's number one. Oh, okay, you, you put Katerina at number one. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was uh, just ranking the harm <laughs> members. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sorry to, to, to withhold the podcast contents to the listeners, but I'm pretty much in agreement <laughs> with, oh, cool. uh, with your rankings. I, I think I, I feel about the same way. For me, the big question was whether a Nickel or Jordan would be at the very bottom. <laughs> and uh, and I, I agree with you. And in this case, it's sort of a better the devil you know than the devil you don't kind of exactly. situation. <laughs> <laughs> The one point where we differ is, for me, Mary would be at the top and Katarina would be in second. Mary is my my numero uno. She is a <laughs> firsty bicon, and I I absolutely love her for that. She she never turns down uh, once. Uh, she starts off like in a in a real real dark place. The moment she gets like just the tiniest sliver of acknowledgement, she is <laughs> she's off to the races, and <laughs> she never forgets that. And she'll 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 die for her queen. Uh, she'll yeah. she'll fight for her queen. Um, yeah, I love Mary. And she has her iconic opera glasses, <laughs> opera binoculars moment, which just can't be forgotten. Must be remembered. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's my numero uno. Next time on Reincarnated as Podcasters, we discuss episode one to three of a new anime, The Devil is a Part-Timer. We hope you enjoyed listening. See you in the next life. See you.